guys. Good morning. I love it. Thanks, Rod. Uh, I have had the privilege of not just being around Rod for the past five plus years, uh, and you guys already know this, but you have an amazing pastor in Rod Collins. He is, uh, yeah, give it up for Rod. He, uh, I have learned so much just by sitting in rooms with him. The way that he thinks deeply about God and his church and about you guys and about people and about reaching people. Uh, he's a passionate learner. Uh, and he also is a courageous risk taker, which is what I love about being here with you guys. You are helping lead the church, not your church, but the church into the future uh, by by reclaiming and redeeming parking lots and properties just like this. So thank you guys for, uh, for being courageous in that. Not only Rod, I got to work with Alex and Jillian, and I don't know if you know this or not, but Taps and I, we're actually related. We are cousins-in-law. Did, can you see the family resemblance with me and Taps when we're up here together? Uh, but I knew Taps before I knew Rod or anyone, but probably 10, 12 years ago. So I feel like I'm home with you guys today. Uh, I was talking earlier with Jillian, and one of the things that also probably unites us is the season that we are in. And I was saying, you know, there's probably, this week I read an article, there's two words that it seems like everyone sort of grabs a hold of confusion and exhaustion and I don't know is that you raise your hand like is that you guys anybody feeling a little confused a little exhausted I feel like we are living in uh, the land of the unknown nobody really knows on a daily basis what's taking place or where we're headed or how long this is gonna last or when's the vaccine ready or baseball's back oh wait no it's not and all these kind of things are constantly changing I have four kids three of them are teenagers they live at home and so senior, junior, freshman, you can imagine, like, it's up and it's down. Schools are open. Schools are closed. We'd love to know as parents, what do you want? And then it doesn't really matter what we want. We're going to do what we tell you to do. Sports, all the same things. They come and they go. It's constantly changing. Restaurants, gyms, businesses. I don't know about you, but I feel like when I'm going to get a haircut, it's like Mission Impossible. Like you're sneaking around corners and ducking into places and maybe they'll see me, maybe they won't. Churches, we get to explore all kinds of new opportunities. So confusion, exhaustion, and the one thing that we know is we are living in this land of unknown. We're also living in and through history. And I talk with my kids every single week, every single night at dinner, and we talk about this moment in time. And we talk about what are the history books going to look like in 10 years or in 20 years about this moment? What's going to be written? I mean, I'm sure they're going to capture the March and April run on toilet paper and then the April-May run on uh, cleaning supplies and then the May-June run on, you know, hair dyes and things like that. But what are they going to say about this season and how we reacted? And more importantly, what are our families going to say? What are the kids going to say? What are the youth going to say about how we lived through this season of confusion and exhaustion and unknown? Because the whole world is kind of grinding to a halt in the midst of this unknown. And some of us have experienced seasons of unknown before in our lives. We've gone through significant job transitions, financial loss, We've had to restart our lives, maybe from relationships that were devastating or broken. We've, we've gone through the unknown of health crisis and challenge. But for others, 
this whole unknown thing is brand new and it's unsettling. And so I love even the worship songs we were singing earlier because that unsettling unknown tends to stir and create fear. So the question really is, in a world of unknown, what can we know? What can we hold on to and know in a world of unknown? What might God want to say to us? Does he want to say anything to us? And so as I've been thinking and praying about you and today and this moment and this time, I believe that God wants to speak. I believe that he and his voice wants to cut through the confusion and the exhaustion and the unknown of today and actually speak two things very clearly to every single one of us that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I invite you guys to grab your Bibles. If you got them with you, maybe it's technology or something like that, open it up and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 35 through 40. And here we see uh, Mark, as you know, it's the gospel that is, it's kind of like the adventure gospel. Like he moves pretty quickly through sound bites of things. It's like the Twitter or, or Instagram of the gospels. And Mark actually writes this as an encouragement to new Christians that were living in a very unchristian world at the time. A very unknown world. So Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. Verse 35 says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So let's just pause right there for a moment. Capture this for me, if you will. You've got these disciples. These were young teenage fishermen. Jesus had called them. They had grown up on the lake. This was their lake. These were their boats. They knew this lake. They knew the conditions. They'd been out since they were this big, just tiny toddlers in fishing boats. And so you can imagine they get out in this lake and they start, the storm starts coming up and they start thinking, we've got this. We've navigated this before. We understand what the winds look like and the waves. And pretty soon this storm becomes unlike anything they'd ever experienced in their life. And you can imagine the fear starts to rise a little bit. The word that Matthew records this in his gospel, the words he uses for the word storm there, is it's a supernatural storm. Like there's evil behind it. And so this storm starts to rise, and you can imagine they're going from, okay, we got this, to all of a sudden, we don't have this. This is out of our control. And their emotion is growing with this storm, and they're overwhelmed, and they're anxious, and they're afraid. And ultimately, it gets the best of them. They start to panic. And they get short and they lash out. Because isn't that what we like to do? When we get panicky and afraid, we just, I want to control this and I can't, so I lash out. And all of a sudden in verse 38, you see them shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you see what's going on in this world? How could you be sleeping at a time like this? 
Is there anyone here that's asked that question in these last almost five months? Is there anyone maybe who's heard that question asked in the last five months? Teacher, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see what's happening in this world? Don't you see the confusion? Don't you see the churches closing down? Don't you see our rights being taken away? Don't you see the economy being decimated? Don't you see the anger and the hatred and the violence? Don't you see all these things happening? And don't you see now the fire burning on the hill? Really? Like we didn't have enough to deal with? Jesus, don't you care? Anybody ever ask that? In the midst of confusing, unknown, uncertain times? You're in good company. I'm in good company. The what-ifs of the future become to overwhelm us. For me, that's the place I want to go. When I start thinking about my kids, their senior year, junior year, incoming freshmen, school and sports and a life ahead of them, wondering what college may look like or not look like now, wondering what the jobs and the economy and everything might be, wondering about the families that are being impacted financially because of what's taking place, wondering about the increase in domestic violence, wondering about all these things. Like, Jesus, don't you care? But in a world of of what-ifs and unknowns, there's one thing that I believe that God wants to make very clear today, and that is He cares. He cares. You see, the Bible is is full of examples of a loving and caring God. We see over and over that He cares. From the very beginning as He created Adam and Eve and everything, you see this relationship and this beauty unfolding, and then all of a sudden Adam and Eve, of course, they blow it, and, and they decide to pursue themselves instead of God. But instead of God just rolling his eyes and walking away and starting over, he says, that's okay. I'm going to extend forgiveness and grace, and I'm going to show you a path to redemption. And he walks them through it. We see it with Abraham, the father of faith. God calls, says, you're going to be the father of faith. I'm going to turn you into a great nation, give you this amazing land. And he starts out so good with faith. And then what happens? Of course, he gets afraid in the unknown and uncertain of life. And he starts to lie and deceive to try and control the situation. We see it with the Israelites as they're in captivity in Egypt. We see a loving, caring God provide, do miracles, miraculous things, part the Red Sea, and then they get out in the desert. And what happens? You just looked at this a couple weeks ago. They get afraid, the uncertainty, the unknown. They start to crawl out against God, but he still provides every single day exactly what they need. All through the Bible, we see that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he cares deeply for his kids, that he saves every tear that we cry. In the New Testament, we he's described as a father that runs to his children, a shepherd that pursues his lost sheep. And then, of course, Jesus, this great example you see through his life and ministry, it's constantly demonstrated as he's weeping over his friends that are lost. And he's constantly saying, don't worry. I see you. The Father sees you. He'll take care and provide every need, ultimately demonstrating it not just with his life, but with his death. I care. I see you. I will provide. I will make a way. 
If there's one thing that God wants us to know in this confusing, exhausting, unknown world, it's that He cares. He cares. And so the question is, are we willing to trust that? Are we willing to believe that? Are we willing to let go of the lies and the fear and the worry and the doubt and the anxiety and and to let go of trying to hold on and control what's happening, but just say, God, I believe that you care and trust him. And I, I find myself often in this posture at some of the most critical moments of my life where I felt totally alone and felt totally abandoned. I was so confused by what God was doing. I didn't even know what to do anymore. And I literally just went like this and said, God, there's nothing I have to hold on to anymore. I'm going to trust that you see me and that you care. And so what is it maybe that you're holding on to today? What's confusing? Where's the fear or the lies or the doubts or the anxiety? The storm that's raging in your life. And are you willing to open your hands and trust God and believe that He cares? Second thing we see is that He calms. Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, which, you know, I love this. It doesn't say how long it took Jesus to wake up. It just says when he woke up. We, I, I want to think that he woke up right away, but who knows? Maybe he just slept through their panic for a while. But when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, well, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were, were terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. They got to see again this powerful demonstration of his power. Now remember, they had seen him perform miracles already. But this was something they had only heard about through stories passed down from the Old Testament about God, the creator of the universe, who commanded even creation and nature with the sound of his voice. And Jesus just did that. And so you could see he was doing it again. They're coming face to face with God as their creator. And he says, peace, be still, and everything goes calm. Now I know what you're thinking. Why doesn't he do that? If he has that kind of power, why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he say, peace, be still? Why doesn't he calm the storm that we're in? Why doesn't he take care of this confusion and the unknown and the exhaustion and everything we see? He isn't doing it. He hasn't done it. I bet he never will. And I don't know, I don't know all of how God chooses to intervene and when and why. But one thing I do know is that sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he calms you. Sometimes he'll change the circumstances that you're in, but always he will give you a calm and a peace to walk through the circumstances you're walking through. Sometimes he uses his power to change the circumstances. Other times he uses his power to bring calm in the midst of them. You see, Jesus actually gives us the power to do what he was doing, which is to sleep in the boat. It's to find rest and peace 
and calm and settledness, even in the midst of an unknown, unanticipated storm. And you see Jesus in his culmination of life and ministry. He gathers his disciples at the very end of this three and a half years for one last conversation. And in John 14, 27, he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. In the final hours, moments of his life, before his death and resurrection, in his last moments with the disciples, he's helping them and he's helping us be courageous people of peace, to have calm in the midst of storms. And I love that he says, I'm going to give you my peace, not the world's peace. Because they understood the world's peace just like we do. The world's peace is centered around what we can have, what we can control, what we can buy, what we can manipulate. It's based on our education or our bank accounts or our degrees or where we live or what we drive or any of those things. We think our peace comes from the relationships or the influence or the Instagram likes or any of those things in our life. That's the world's peace, but it's temporary. And we've seen it. It can disappear in a moment's notice. And so Jesus is saying that temporary, short-term, circumstantial peace will not sustain you through life. So I'm going to give you my peace. My peace that's anchored to my Father through a relationship with me, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I bet for some, as Jesus was having this conversation with them, I bet for some of those disciples, their minds, it went back. It went back to that evening on the lake where that storm was raging and they felt totally out of control and they didn't know what to do and it was confusing and exhausting and totally unknown and fear was starting to rise and Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. And he's saying, that's the kind of peace I and only I can give you as you walk through this world. His peace that's grounded in a loving Father. His peace that's given through a relationship with Jesus. Later in John 16, he says, in this world you will have trouble. We all know that to be true. But in me, you'll have peace. You'll have calm. You see, in a world of unknown, there's at least two things we can know. He cares and He calms. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at in this adventure. But I believe that that's the invitation He's giving you is to trust Him to give you that calm and peace. You see, the thing about living with your hands open is it allows you to remember that He cares and He calms. With your hands open, you get to release the worry and release the fear and release the confusion and release the anxiety and release the doubt. But you also get to receive. You get to receive the calm. You get to receive His peace. You get to receive His power. You get to receive His grace that allows you to stay anchored and steady in a world of storms. And so what about you today? 
I want to invite you, if you would, just put your hands out in front of you, just like this. And maybe if it helps you, just close your eyes so you don't have any distractions. Just want you to think for a moment about the storm, the circumstances that you're in. Maybe it's a financial storm, a vocational storm, a health storm. Maybe there's a relational storm. But Jesus, I pray today for every single person with our hands open, representing the posture of our hearts and our minds, that you would help us to release all of the worry and all of the fear, all of the confusion and anxiety, really our even ability and desire to control the world around us. And I pray that even in this moment, you would pour your calm and your peace into our hearts and lives. I pray that tangibly you would bring your power and your strength and your grace into every single one of us, that you would move through relationships and finances and health and joy in the midst of a world that's longing for hope. Would you in tangible ways demonstrate your care and bring calm into our lives? And we pray this in the power of your name. Amen.